I don't know if I should keep trying to imitate Forrest or not. Um, but anyway, no. he, he said, <laughs> I said, I'm a Christian because I actually believe that Jesus raised physically from the dead. I know that I know that I know that my feelings are backed up by solid evidence. And now, the flaming sword. You know what I'm going to say, Darren? <laughs> it's going super swell, my friend. So we're coming off a real good podcast with Carmine. It was great to have him on again. And I always appreciate people who take the time to learn the scientific facts because it's, it's really helpful to encourage those of us that are believers in our faith. And also, we always hope it uh, cracks the window open just a little bit for those who might be more interested in looking into Christianity. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed that just going back and listening to our podcast, just for myself, that you notice that these, these evidences, they build on each other. So it's systematic. Right. And when you, know, you just take one, even the manuscript evidence that we discussed, you and I, and then Carmine, we just come off of talking about intelligent design with him. But you take just each one by itself, it's a strong argument. But then you start combining them and you really start building a strong foundation and a strong apologetic. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what people need to do because sometimes they just look at one little part of that, but it's kind of like this mosaic. And like you said, you take all these different parts and when you put those together, it's pretty hard to refute. That's right. That's what I'm talking about there. All right. So we've got next week, we're going to be discussing Lord, Liar, Lunatic. That's actually an argument. I believe, wasn't it C.S. Lewis that originally penned that argument? Yes, sir. And I think, we're hoping, we're pretty sure we have a guest with us for that. And then you and I may have something in between, but if not, Carmine's going to come back again. He is a glutton for punishment. Thank you, <laughs> he Carmine. Is. And he's going to come back with prophecy in the Bible, the top 10 prophecies concerning Christ. Well, that will be exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Hey, before we get into our topic for today, it just wouldn't be the same <laughs> without a joke. Oh, I knew it. I knew you couldn't handle it, Joel. <laughs> this is a pretty good one here. Well, the day finally arrives and Forrest Gump dies and goes to heaven. And he's met at the pearly gates by, of course, St. Peter himself. And the gates are closed. So Forrest approaches the gatekeeper and St. Peter says, well, Forrest, it's good to see you. We've heard a lot about you. I must inform you, the place is filling up really fast, and we've been administering an entrance examination for everyone. And Forrest responds, sure is good to be here, St. Peter. I was looking forward to this. I don't know if I should keep trying to imitate Forrest or not. Um, but anyway, no. he, he, <laughs> <laughs> So Forrest says, no one told me about an entrance exam. Sure hope it ain't too hard. Life was a big enough test as it is. St. Peter goes on, the test I have for you is only three questions. First, what days of the week begin with the letter T? Second, how many seconds are there in a year? And three, what is God's first name? So Forrest says, I think I've got the answer. First one, how many days of the week begin with the letter T? Shucks, that's easy. That'd be today and tomorrow. And St. Peter's eyes open wide and he says, Forrest, that's not what I was thinking, but okay, you've got a good point. And then the next one, Forrest says, but I thunk and I thunk about that. And I guess the only answer to the second one can be 12. St. Peter says, 12? Forrest, how in heaven's name could you come up with 12 seconds in a year? Forrest says, shucks, there's got to be 12. January 2nd, February 2nd, March 2nd, 
hold up, interrupt St. Peter. I see where you're going with this, and I guess I got your point. That wasn't what I had in mind either, but I'll give you credit. Let's go to the final question. Can you tell me God's first name? Forrest replied, Andy. St. Peter is frustrated. He says, how could you come up with Andy? And Forrest says, Andy walked with me. Andy talked with me. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> run, Forrest! Run, Forrest, run! Oh, man. All right, I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> Are you ready to go now? I'm ready to roll. So we're going to be talking about something today, Joel. And does it sound like this? Nobody's there. Nobody's there. Jesus rose up from the grave. Darren. Well, it's really interesting that we're doing this podcast today because just yesterday I was talking with another friend and he's a guy that's kind of entering into the ministry and he was surprised to learn that that some people, even that are leading churches, unfortunately, don't necessarily believe that Jesus rose from the dead or they say, well, maybe he did in some way, but it was a spiritual thing or we just need to think about the problems in our life and because of Jesus and his teachings you know, maybe we can have a better chance at life. So in that sense, our, we've got these bad, difficult things, but in some way they're kind of raised to a new outlook. And my friend was really surprised by this. And I said, yeah. And I found out even some people that, that teach seminary, some of those professors don't even believe in the resurrection of Christ. Unbelievable. So like you said, it's really foundational. And I want to get started with just an experience I had. This was about three years ago. And I was kind of engaged with basically an argument with somebody on Facebook a little bit. And all I was doing was sharing some scripture verses. And another friend that I hadn't heard from for a while just uh, really wrote something back that was, that was pretty mean and, and cruel and, and did apologize you know, later, which I appreciated. But he essentially said, you know, keep those Christian ideas to yourself. If, if that helps you enjoy your life and gives you comfort, that's fine, but you know, don't. He actually said I was spreading hate all over. All I did was, was share a few <laughs> scripture verses. But it was a good opportunity to think through it. And I actually just said back to him, actually, uh, I don't believe in Jesus because I think it's made my life better. I said, in some ways, it's probably made it more challenging. I said, I'm a Christian because I actually believe that Jesus raised physically from the dead. And if I didn't believe that, I would chuck the whole thing. And I think he was kind of surprised by that. But I really do believe it's that important. And I remember even growing up sometimes, you know, I was kind of confused because I would even talk to other Christians. And I was young and probably arrogant, so maybe I wasn't always paying attention. I would ask them, you know, did this really happen? How do we know it happened? And sometimes they'd say, well, I just I just believe it, and, and that's all I need. And, and I mean this sincerely. Maybe for some believers, they don't need all that information and the details, but it's really important that we believe this. And just kind of one final thought along those lines, there's a really well-known hymn that gets done at Easter time a lot in churches. It's called He Lives. And I mean, it's, it's got a lot of energy and it's got some good words. But the last chorus is, and I'm going to actually sing it just because it'll bring it to mind for a lot of people who have heard it. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. But that line, he lives within my heart. Now, there's a sense that 
I think Christians would understand what, what is meant by that, but it really is really bad theology. Was he raised from the dead, in fact, or is it just something that we hope is true and we get a nice feeling and our life feel better? Did, did people just make up something to, to feel better, but when they die, they'll go to heaven? I mean, so this is, a, this is a big deal and it is foundational, so I'm really glad we're talking about it. Yeah, that's really good. I think, and we kind of discussed this a little bit before since we're doing some apologetics, it's okay to say he lives within my heart. It's okay to say that you have feelings and emotions about your faith. So we're not objecting to that. What we're objecting to would be if, if it's your emotions and your feelings that is what is compelling you rather than solid evidence and belief, something that you could really get a hold of and anchor that is true. Because the pushback is everyone that believes something, it could be the Mormons, it could be the Jehovah's Witness, it could be any faith could say, I have a feeling. Anyone can say, I feel like this is true, right? Right. That's absolutely true. And, and one of the things we've talked about already in some other podcasts, and it's, it's a really important thing for, for me personally, is just to know that there are evidences, strong evidences for the Christian faith, because I know as a younger person, I didn't really know that and I didn't understand that. So then it just is left to well, it's a subjective feeling, and I hope it's true. Um, but in fact, the resurrection of Christ is based on, on lots of eyewitness accounts. And, and another thing that happens sometimes is, is people will say, well, you might ask a, a believer, and why do you believe Christ rose from the dead? And they would say, well, it's in the Bible. Well, for a skeptic or somebody who doesn't believe the Bible, they'll just say, well, how do I know the Bible is true? Which, and that's kind of another area that we might get into even more in other podcasts. The resurrection, and I want to make sure I say this carefully because if there are Christians listening, let me explain this a little bit because initially it might not sound right to you. But Christ isn't risen from the dead because the Bible says he was. The Bible says he was because it actually happened. It's actually an event that happened in history that was recorded in the Bible, but the Bible doesn't make it true. The Bible didn't make Jesus rise from the dead. It's actually something that happened. And we've got Matthew, who gives testimony to this, Mark, Luke, John, all these different writers, and James also believed Jesus was rose from the dead. And I love talking about James because he was the half-brother of Jesus. And sometimes I'll kind of joke with people, if you have a brother, what would he have to do in order for you to believe that he was raised from the dead? And it's interesting because there are a couple of scripture passages that, that say that even Jesus' family, when he started drawing these crowds and doing these teachings, they thought he was kind of nuts. There was one occasion where, where mom basically sent a couple of family members to go get him and say, what's he doing? And so the fact that then they all couldn't believe in him and that James, think about this, his half-brother in the beginning of his letter calls himself a slave of Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that's pretty good evidence that something happened. Yes. And let, let me just backtrack real quick and then I'll let you go on because I know you got a lot to cover, but... I just want to make it clear to people that we're not against emotions. I mean, I can listen to some good Christian music, and when I get thinking about Christ, when I get thinking about what he has done for me, to try to keep from shedding tears sometimes, it's, it's just impossible. So the feelings are there, but I know, I know that I know that I know that my feelings are backed up by solid evidence. And so my hope is sure, my faith is sure. That's all we're trying to express here, talking about these defenses of the faith. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that, Darren. And let me just recommend a resource. Jonathan Edwards, if there are people who haven't read Jonathan Edwards, he writes a lot about that. In a, um, he's got a lot of collections of his writings, but I think it's just called Affections of the Religious Faith, or it might be Religious Affections. But he talks about the importance of emotions, because sometimes people will almost 
say those, you know, that we shouldn't have those the emotions because they're afraid that the emotions are always going to be brought about just by worldly types of feelings. But in fact, we should have lots of emotions in terms of how we worship God, but they should come from those truths. Disagreeing with you there. So a couple other things that we want to make sure to cover. We've, we've got, first of all, these, these eyewitnesses. And then we've got the, the Gospels themselves, um, which Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are basically biographies of the life of Jesus. And a lot of people over the years have questioned those. Are they accurate? Some people think that there were many other Gospels that say different things. How can we be sure? But one of the interesting things about these Gospels is I think if, if I was going to make up a religion, I would probably make myself look pretty good. And I, I think a lot of people would do that. But in the Gospels, the honesty that the writers have about themselves is amazing. They'll basically you know, say that they were foolish. They'll say that they didn't understand things. They'll acknowledge that none of them believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. The Gospels don't have spin. They're, they're written as if they're just these actual events that have happened. And, and, and one of the things about those writings that I find so fascinating is some people will say, well, Maybe they're completely made up or they were myths or legends. But the more that people have studied them, we're finding that those writings, and I talked about this a little bit, I mean, the manuscript evidence on that podcast, they were actually written just several years after the life of Jesus. If you're going to make up a, a legend, you've got to make sure everyone that knows the truth is, is already gone or died. And so you've got to wait at least 100 years or so before you can write it. But the fact that they were written so early and that there were people that were alive at that time that could have easily said, no, none of those things happened, but they didn't. And I think that's another strong evidence that, that Jesus was, in fact, raised from the dead. Yeah, we brought up one of them podcasts, C.S. Lewis. We mentioned him earlier but as someone who was an expert in antiquity, who would read the myths and, and study all of these things, and he realized, no, this is true. This doesn't really read like a myth. This happened. And, you know, he became a great apologist for Christianity, and, and the rest is history. All right, brother, what else you got? This is interesting. And as you read the Bible more and really look at the details, you, you just find some incredible things. And one of the things I, I didn't know until I studied it a little more is in 1 Corinthians 15, and the first few verses there are kind of the, the main text, or, or Paul reminds everybody of the importance of this resurrection event. He makes sure to mention that the scriptures say that Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried. And you think, well, okay, why does he mention he was buried? I guess on the one hand, okay, if he's going to be raised from the dead, he was buried first. But another reason that's there is because a lot of people who were crucified weren't buried. And, and this is kind of gross, sorry, but a lot of times they were just left up on the cross and, and, and animals would chip away at them. Many other times they were just thrown into this dump. And so the fact that Christ was buried was actually kind of unusual. And another interesting thing that happened is, and I think this is kind of funny, I may be wrong on here, and I may be reading between the lines a little bit, but apparently um, you had Joseph of Arimathea, who ended up being a believer of Jesus, going with, with Nicodemus to go and, and sort of embalm Jesus' body. And the next morning, some ladies go to embalm it too. And I'm thinking, why'd they go too? Probably because they thought the guys didn't do it right. <laughs> but the fact that, that, that they had done that and these women come back to do that just showed clearly that all these people were absolutely convinced that Jesus was dead. And, and one of the reasons that's important is there are all these different theories. Well, maybe he was, they used to call it the swoon theory, but maybe he was beat up badly and whipped and all of that, but, but he wasn't quite dead yet. And the idea that this person who he was barely alive somehow came up out of the grave and convinced all his followers that he was a resurrected Christ is pretty unbelievable. So that's just another thing is people have really gone to a lot of lengths to make up things that don't really make sense. Yeah. Another pushback on that is, well, someone came and they, or they stole his body. The Jews even uh, in scripture there, that's kind of what they went with. So what's, what's the answer to that one that someone stole the body? 
Yeah, it actually does say that in the scripture, that that is something that continued to be told over time. Well, let's think about this for a minute, knowing just a little bit about the Roman soldiers. That was a pretty big deal and, a, and pretty important. And uh, when they were supposed to be in the securing the tomb, and that was a big deal. And if they had messed that up, they could uh, not only get in big trouble, but actually they could be killed if they weren't doing a good job of that as a soldier. And so the Roman soldiers end up saying that somebody stole the body while we were asleep. <laughs> let's yeah. just think about that for a minute. <laughs> you know, let's say, you know, I slept last night a little bit. And let's say somebody came to me and, and I had a bunch of things taken from my house. And I told them, well, I, they came and did all this while I was asleep. Well, how, I mean, that seems really obvious. How does anyone know what happened when they were asleep? And again, they had several Roman soldiers that were there. And the fact that they all would have been asleep at the same time when they knew they could be punished by death is, is uh, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, bottom line on that, Roman soldiers, top soldiers of the time, knew that they would be facing death if they made a mistake. It didn't happen. Now, the pushback would be, well, the story's wrong itself. We understand that. And that work, that's where it goes back to the other arguments that we've made on manuscript evidence and, and how one believes history and, and so forth. Then, of course, just what we've said about the, the people whose lives were changed, if what is in the scriptures is true, we know there was no body stolen because that body came out of the grave. We know, and they were so amazed by that and so taken in that it just changed their lives completely, even, even unto death. Basically, it's, it's pretty much accepted that all of the apostles, uh, most all of them, suffered a, a horrible death because they believed in Christ. Yeah, and another thing, Darren, that, that's so interesting that ties into this is the idea that the disciples would have even wanted to steal his body. That would have been dangerous for them, but not only that, it would have been pointless. And I heard a pastor, and he said, if they weren't about to die for Jesus when he was alive, why would they risk their lives now after he's dead? And, and that's a great question. And you know, none of the disciples, none of the people at that time believed that that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. There wasn't anybody outside the tomb counting down, you know, five, four, three, two, one. So it would have been an incredible surprise to them. And, and like you just mentioned, their lives were changed. And, and that's another thing that's so powerful. The Bible records that all these people after the death of Christ, especially his apostles, they were scared. They were basically hiding out because they were worried that they were going to get possibly in trouble. Maybe they'd get arrested too because they were his followers. So you've got these men, understandably, they're afraid. They're worried about what's going to happen to them. And then within a fairly short period of time, they're going out courageously and boldly looking some of these Jews right in the eye who were responsible for Jesus' death. And they're saying, you murdered Christ. Who has that kind of boldness without some major event taking place? Hallelujah. Yes, that is very good. So brother, we're close to time here. So if you want to wrap this up with why does it matter? Anything else that you want to add here in the final couple minutes? And let me just add that we could literally spend hours talking about the resurrection. Remember the resources that we give you. You could go online, look up some of these Christian apologists. There's just way too much we can cover in a podcast of this duration here. So Yeah, well, let me start by just providing a couple names that people might want to look up and then go from there. So one is Gary Habermas, and he's got lots of videos on YouTube and books. Gary Habermas, he's considered probably the leading scholar today as far as having just amassed an incredible amount of material on the resurrection. And then also, if people haven't read this book, it's also a movie called The Case for Christ. And there was a, a yeah. Lee Strobel, who was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And basically, I mean, he was an atheist, and he ended up doing this project and, and interviewing all these different 
professors and New Testament scholars, and he did that in order to disprove the resurrection, and he ended up becoming a Christian. And his, his, both his book, The Case for Christ, and the movie, I would highly recommend. When it gets down to it, obviously these facts are very important and we believe them, but we do have to get to the question which you just mentioned, why does this matter for me? And I'm gonna share a verse here that believers will know, but it really ties in so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, John 3:16. And Jesus uh, raised from the dead to, to let us know that we could place our faith in him, that he was trustworthy. And for anybody listening that doesn't have a relationship yet with Jesus Christ, just knowing and believing those facts is not enough. We have to really put our trust in him. If we do that, our lives will be changed now and forever. That's why it matters. Can I get an amen? Great, Joel. Good, good, good stuff. It was super swell. <laughs> it was groovy. All right, folks. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time. She comes in here and she looks in the mirror, prepares herself for the day ahead. To the well to get some water. You never know what a day will bring. You've been listening to The Flaming Sword. Until next time, remember, love the sheep. Bam. Shoot the wolves. <laughs>